Good morning. My name is Jim Barcliffe, pastor here at Lighthouse Fellowship. I want to talk to you today about um, how do you deal with disappointments? How do you deal with disappointments? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Lord. And they're going to learn about Jesus. Hey, you kiddos, y'all going to learn about Jesus. Go with Miss Kathy. <laughs> uh, how do you deal with disappointment? Anybody in here ever been disappointed? Amen. Okay. I mean, if you say, I've never been disappointed, and I'm going to come by and talk to you after the service because I'm going to say, how do you do it? Because everybody deals with disappointments. Okay. How, as a Christian, do we deal with it? I want to I want to just tell you, the Word of God sets us free, okay? The Spirit of God working our, through the Word. But we all need to know, how do we handle disappointments? You know, sometimes we are going, well, Lord, how do I wind up here? And, and Lord, I didn't know I was going to have to go through this and that. And so the question is, how do we deal with it? And so I want to show you from Scripture today some things that I believe will be helpful and also to set you free. And at the end of the service, I want to pray over you about some things. And I'll tell you before we pray, uh, it won't be on, on the, uh, the YouTube and so forth. But I want to pray for you and give you something, a handout here also that may be a helpful reminder in our walk with the Lord. So let's begin with prayer. Father, thank you for your word, your truth. And your presence, you are here, Lord. And thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and lives. In my life, in the life of this church, each individual. Because, Lord, that's what you're all about. Because you love people. You love souls. And so, Lord, today we just ask you to speak. Let me get out of the way and let your word and your truth go forth. And change our hearts and our lives. Come, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to look at... Uh, just a couple verses here in Exodus chapter five. It'll be on the screen. If you want to stand while we read the word of God, that's fine. If you position yourself, God knows and uh, whatever way you desire to do that. Just two verses, verses 22 and 23. Let's read it together. Moses returned to the Lord and said, oh, Lord, why have you brought trouble upon this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble upon this people. And you have not rescued your people, look at the last, at all. <laughs> okay. Remember the story of Moses there? Okay. He was obviously, um, he's in the back of the side of the desert, minding his own business. And here this burning bush shows up. And it was not being consumed by the fire. Y'all know the story. And God spoke to him. And says, Moses, I have chosen you to lead my people out of captivity, out of Egypt. They'd been in bondage for uh, over 400 years, I believe the, the years were. And they were slaves to the Egyptians. And so he took this man, Moses, because I believe he saw in his heart something that was obviously usable by him, that he could use this man. And so he chose Moses to do this. And here he began to talk to Moses about that. And so Moses' life comes to be not, not really going the way that he thought it would. And he had just suffered, experienced major disappointments in these two verses. He's saying this, why is it that you sent me? I thought you were with me. Remember what happened? Remember there when uh, he went 
he and the, um, the elders went before the Egyptian, the uh, Pharaoh and, and their rulers and so forth. And, and they're going and saying, well, God told us to come to you and you're going to set the people free. Remember? And Pharaoh basically laughed and said, I don't know what you're talking about. We're not going to let you go because slaves during that particular time were worth a lot of money and they were doing the work, obviously. And they weren't about to let him go. And Pharaoh laughed and so forth. And so Moses kept going back to God. Remember the different plagues that took place? If you saw them, the movie, oh, uh, the Ten Commandments, you remember that. And if you read the story, you certainly know about that also. And so nothing is working out right for Moses. In fact, he made it harder on the Israelites. He told them to obviously make the uh, bricks and so forth with, with the, without the straw. They had to gather their own straw. So he made it actually harder on the Israelites. When Moses was actually going in and saying, you're going to let them go and so forth, God says so. And actually the opposite came true. Now, I want to look and think about our own lives when we go through life. Sometimes we start praying. And it seems like after you start praying, everything gets worse sometimes, you know, not always. But sometimes it seems like it's just not going the way that you thought. And maybe sometimes when you're praying for something and the timing is a little bit off and and things don't come about the way that you thought they would. Yeah. When you give your life to the Lord, you remember and he's responsible when you surrender to the Lord and he may put you and I somewhere that you never thought you would be. When I surrendered my heart to the Lord, I've been raised in a church and so forth, straight away from the Lord and did my thing and so forth and came back. I knew the truth and I know there is a God. His name is Jesus. I know there is eternity. There's a heaven and I know there's a hell. OK, I knew that all along when I was doing my thing apart from God, that God was still there. In fact, he protected me because I could have been I could have died several times, but God actually took care of me. But when I came back. I gave my heart to the Lord. We were living at Pearland at the same time. I've given my testimony about it. And I gave my heart to the Lord and nothing seemed to work out. It looked like it was just going the opposite way. It looked like the things were, were just, I mean, my goodness. I mean, things just did not come about the way I thought they would. And obviously, we can look at our own lives in the same manner. And so there were many disappointments. But as I continue to pray and people pray for me, and, and at a particular time, a breakthrough came. And that's when things happened. And I felt the Lord saying, I want you to go into ministry full, actually just the words full-time Christian service. And I thought, I don't, I don't know anything about this. I mean, I have a business management degree. I was moving up the ladder, making good, big money, all this other stuff. And you want me to change course in life? You want me to do something else? And so I finally got broken. People began to tell me, you, you need to pay attention. There's something the on your life, the Lord's working in your life in such a way you need to obviously go to Him with it and find out what's going on. And I did. And obviously that's when ministry started at that point. I was in midlife. So things didn't turn out. I'm not really a great public speaker, so to speak. <laughs> I know that obviously I get up before people and talk. But it's not necessarily the thing. Some people just seem to uh, have no problem with that at all. Well, I had to work at it real hard. So sometimes you wind up where God, where you didn't think you would be. But why are you there? You're there because God has put you there. You are where you are today. And I've always said you're here today in this church, not by accident, 
God has something for you. His word, obviously, is being imparted to your heart and life, not because I'm speaking it well or anything else, but because the spirit of the Lord is here. And he does that. He does it perfectly. But Moses, obviously, was chosen. And he thinks things were just uh, not turning out the way he thought. He was there 40 years on the backside of the desert again, and he was doing his own thing. And God called him. And so God tells Moses to go back to Egypt and to tell Pharaoh, let his people go and all. And so he went and Pharaoh's response was not what he thought it would be. Instead, let them go and made it worse on the people. It got worse and all. And so that's so it was a disappointment here. So when we look alongside, go along beside of Moses and think about how he must have felt. First of all, God, uh, obviously, uh, he says this. Uh, I didn't plan this strategy. I didn't do this. You did, Lord. I just did what you told me to do. And the second thing is, I didn't want the job to begin with, right? <laughs> That's what he told him, basically. I didn't want this job. Your plan was to do this and, and so forth. He chose me. Do you realize that God has chosen you and me? We didn't choose God. There was nothing in me to actually seek after the Lord. It was because God chased after Jim Barcliffe, okay? And the same thing can be said for you and I. As we look at our life, we didn't all of a sudden say, oh, I need Jesus. It was because the Spirit of God was drawing you and me. And so it wasn't my plan. It's actually God's plan. And Moses was telling him that I didn't, I didn't plan on doing this to begin with. You chose me. And so when God chooses us for a task, He means business. And He has a plan for you, your life and my life. And He will fulfill exactly what He desires for your life and my life. Trust the word of God on this. We feel like we've blown it and somehow we foil the plans of God. And yes, sometimes God has to redirect our paths, but he has a way of getting us where he wants us to be if we'll hang in there, if we won't give up. Moses was telling God, I didn't want it anyway here. And remember here, he says, neither have you delivered your people. And then the last two words at all, you hadn't done anything, God. You said that I was placed here to, to bring deliverance to these people in your power, but you haven't done anything at all at all were the words in the NIV anyway. And so he's saying, you didn't do anything. It looks like it's totally hopeless. And in our life today, maybe things are not going the way that you thought they'd go. And maybe it looks like it's completely hopeless. But with God, all things are possible. Amen. God can do these things. He has a way of doing it miraculously in ways we never thought. And many of you could testify today and say, Amen, Jim, that's true. Yes, may it be as you have spoken. So, goes on to question number one. Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Obviously, it doesn't make any sense here. You've heard their cry. You've promised to make life better for them. And what I see here is that life just got harder instead of better for them. And what happens when you begin to move in the things of God and you begin to surrender your life is God wants to know, and obviously, just what your commitment is. Are you going to hang in there and not obviously go and do your own thing and take your own course? Or are you going to continue to follow the Lord? Amen. Now, that's truth, okay? And I'm not saying that to scare anybody here. But I'm saying the truth of the matter is commitment in our culture today and in the Christian church is really shallow. Kind of like, hey, if God blesses me, if everything's going my way, 
then obviously I'll hang in there. And man, I'll praise God, hallelujah, rejoice in the Lord, and all these other things we know. But when things get a little tough, will we hang in there? When things don't go the way we think they would go, it could be in our job, it could be in our family, it could be just in life circumstances. God is saying today, I'm working something in your life that only these circumstances can bring about. And that's the way he does it. He's saying, will you hang in there? And that's what he was telling Moses too. He said, I know that Pharaoh rejected you and made it hard on the people, but will you believe me? Will you really trust me? And so Moses was going through a time of testing. And so Moses' prayer is, Lord, why have you brought trouble on these people here? Lord, why? Why have you done this? And uh, you're making it harder here. But see, the issue is, in Moses' life, in my life, and your life is, we can't see the end from the beginning. You and I know have no idea what God will do as he works in our lives. We only have a very, very na- narrow viewpoint. We only have just a little bit of sight. We can't even see into the next moment of time. Amen. We can't do it. But God knows. And the Bible says, since God is for us, who can be against us? If every demon in hell is against us, God is still for us because the word of God says so. And I know it and you know it. And I've experienced it. But we have to believe it. Everything in the Christian life is about faith. Do you believe it? Do you believe the word of God? Do you believe that God is for you and not against you? When life, everything is topsy-turvy, everything is going the opposite way, you're disappointed, I mean, out the kazoo, okay? Are you going to say, I believe God? And you say, what was happening here? Moses is experiencing concerns what it all looks like halfway through the process. <laughs> He's not finished. In Philippians 1, 6, he said, this is the confidence that we have that he who began a good work within you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Do you believe that? He, you're here today, and if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, then he started something in your life and my life. And the word of God said, what he started in your life and my life, he will bring it to the completion. Do you believe that today? You may say, I, but Jim, I'm a mess. <laughs> okay. You don't know my life. I'm a wreck. I mean, think about it. He's trying to put me back together, but man, all these puzzle pieces, they're just not working together and all that. God has a way of putting it all back right and bringing it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus today because His Word says so. I can't see it, and neither can you because all we see is just this little bit in that just maybe next moment of time. But God says, if you'll hang in there, I'm going to show you. One day, One day we'll know. But right now, we walk by faith and not by sight. Every day here. So, why have you sent me here, Moses said. For whatever reason, this is not working. Have you ever wanted to resign from the job God has given you here? Out of your love for the Lord, though, you hang in there. And you keep on. But sometimes the results are disappointment. And God is saying today, I want you to know this. I love you. And I put you here. For such a time as this. You believe you're here because in eternity past, you were on God's mind? Can you believe that? I mean, so often we have such low, a low look at ourselves and so forth. And I'm not talking about self-esteem. I'm looking about our identity in Christ. And we sometimes think, man, I just sort of showed up here. And we know that obviously our parents, the, 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 my mom gave birth to me and so forth and all that. But did you know from eternity past, God knew exactly when you were going to be born? 
He knew exactly. He saw you in Psalm 139 when you were being formed in your mother's womb. And so he has a plan and it is great, but you got to believe it. You got to keep on. You can't give up here. So there's two statements Moses makes in this prayer here. Number one, for since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he's done evil to this people here. So Moses uh, in this statement explains to God, what, you know, why he chose him and so forth. And the statement is full of concern about God's people. And so Moses is focused on their need and their welfare. And remember what happened? The people rebelled against God. And remember Moses went into intercession praying for them. And remember Moses said, if you going to you know, take all these people out because of their sin and so forth, then blot my name from your book also before. But leave these people. So in other words, Moses loved the people so much that he was willing to die for them. I believe symbolic of Jesus, okay? Jesus died for our sins. Isn't that great? I mean, <laughs> we could talk about that all day long. But Moses did the same thing. And so God knew he had chose the right man. He had a man, after God, a God, godly man after his own heart. So he knew he did the right thing. But he had a plan for Moses. He was doing something in his, mo in his life at all at, at, that was working, something that was marvelous here. Now, in my many years of pastoring, I've found that what people do in the hour of disappointment actually can define their future. Many times when you and I get depressed, sometimes we'll make decisions. And those decisions are haphazard. And those, sometimes those decisions bring a whole lot of trouble on us, doesn't it? And so I would encourage you, don't make decisions when you're down in the dumps. Or maybe after a big disappointment. Because many times we do that. Because what do we do? We want to just sort of chuck it all. <laughs> and just, hey, maybe, uh, you remember the, the Israelites got in the desert there and they wandered in the desert and they had manna, which was some people believe to be angel food. And they were murmuring and complaining in the desert and so forth. And God was supplying all their needs, taking care of them, blessing them and so forth. And remember, they didn't like Moses. They didn't like the leadership there. And they began to murmur and complain and gripe and so forth and, and so forth. And what did they say? They wanted to go back to Egypt. They wanted to go back in slavery. They wanted to go back and it says eat the leeks and the garlic and all that stuff, okay? They wanted to go back into captivity. And sometimes we would never say that, but down in our hearts we become apathetic. We lose our passion for Jesus. We lose that thrust for life and kind of that momentum that we have for life. And I talked about COVID and what that did to a lot of people that were in the church that haven't returned back to the church because they got that uh, the momentum sort of stopped because of COVID. The church shut down and so forth and, and people did not actually come back. They began to sort of drift away. It's very easy to get away from the church today. The devil will keep you out of church today because he knows that he doesn't want you to have the encouragement of people of faith around you. He doesn't want you to have that that support around you of the body of Christ because the Word of God says don't forget Forsake the assembly of yourselves together like some have, but encourage one another as you see the day approaching. He says, gather in His name. It's very important today. And when the devil brought this COVID situation on, he knew that the church was going to shut down throughout the world and keep people out of church from coming together and fellowshipping and hearing the Word of God. We had Zoom put in. Praise God. But we need fellowship. Amen that time we had the men's breakfast, I want to tell you, 
They were testimony after testimony. Bikers, people coming out of the world. I mean, all types of people telling their love for Jesus Christ. I walked out of that place and I felt, my goodness, I was so encouraged because there was a fellowship of believers. Something happens when we get together, folks. It is supernatural. Something happens when we corporately worship and praise the Lord together. It is supernatural. I want to tell you up front today, if this something else happens, pray that <clears throat> God forbid, and in that we pray, it won't be another situation like that. But I want to tell you right now, I will be here preaching the gospel. I will not officially shut the church down in the future. I will not do that. Okay. I'm not being insensitive about the COVID. We need to be careful. But I think a lot of people's lives, children's lives have been ruined because of the mask because of all the things that we've seen happening today that have divided people today, one side, this and that, the vaxxed and unvaxxed and everything else, and it's divided our culture today. That is not God, folks. That's the devil. And I will not stand in that sense anymore as a pastor as a pre of the call of the Lord today, because I believe that it's a lot of people today they're off course and they can't get back on course because of that situation in the last two years. We came back together pretty quickly. But I believe that some things have happened, possibly irreparable, that can take place. Disappointments in life. Things that have happened that we just don't have control over. And how do we respond? Because all of us have disappointments. Remember in the story of Ruth? Remember Ruth and Orpah? They had lost their husbands. Both their husbands had died. And there in the book of Ruth. And remember what happened? Orpah, actually, uh, she went back to her native country. And she went back to the gods of her country. The little G. Okay, She went back to her old life. What did Ruth do? She followed Jehovah God. Orpah is never spoken of again in the Word of God. Ruth followed the Lord and gave her heart to the Lord and had faith in God. She made a choice. They were disappointed because they both had lost their husbands. They'd had a death in the family. Both of them had. And yet, one, one of the ladies went back to her old life, but the other one sought the Lord. Salt the Lord. Remember the story if you look at it in the book of Ruth. Same way with us. You see, disappointments can either make us bitter or better. Now, y'all know when I preach, always it's because I'm preaching to myself, always. Disappointments in life can come very easily. Remember the story in 2 Kings chapter 5? Naaman. Naaman was, uh, he needed to be healed. And he called Elisha, the prophet, and he knew that Elisha was, God was using Elisha to heal. And he went to Elisha, and, or he, he, he got word to Elisha, and he said, uh, you know, I wanna, I'm going to meet with you, I want to I be healed of this illness I've got, and so forth, remember? And what did Elisha do? Elisha sent his representative, a messenger, to Naaman, and Naaman was disappointed because Elisha didn't go there. He was disappointed. And so Naaman almost lost his healing, almost lost his destiny. But what happened? He finally, after they talked to him and, and so forth, he finally decided, I'll, I'll do what the messenger said. Remember the story. 
And finally, as a result of his obedience to do that, he was healed. But he almost lost it because he almost made a choice. He was disappointed that Elisha didn't come. Every day we're faced with the same thing, I want to tell you, because there are many and hundreds of people today, I believe, in Houston, Texas, who would not darken the door of a church. Why? Because they got disappointed with somebody at the church and decided they would never go back. Maybe somehow they didn't like it. And some people say, well, the preacher always talks about money. <laughs> I don't talk about money. I believe that if, if you, you know, you're saved, then it'll flow from your heart. I don't, I'm not ta- saying I, I don't talk about tithing and don't believe in it. What I'm saying is today is, is because of our love for Jesus, we know that he owns it all anyway. So a tithe is really just the beginning, 10%. It's just the beginning. We sacrificially give in the same manner. But a lot of people today have, won't darken the church door because somebody said something to them that kind of hurt them. And that is not right. And I'm not at, at all trying to, to minimize that. That's wrong. We should not do that. This should be a place for people to come and be encouraged. But sometimes that happens. But they won't come back. That's it. They were disappointed in church. Maybe somehow... Somebody was praying for healing and maybe their father wasn't healed or maybe uh, something else happened and they weren't delivered or whatever happened and so forth. And they got disappointed and they just said, I'm out of here. And they don't come back. They were disappointed. Many people today I've talked to one way or another, something happened and they said, I'm just, I don't want to come back. I can't go back. This is what it is about disappointment. Many people that I've talked to. But the Bible talks about don't draw back. Don't draw back. But it's so easy because see the devil will use that disappointment in your life and my life to get you to get to be distant from God. And it may not be that you completely give up your faith, but you don't have the passion and fire for Jesus. You're not in love with Jesus like you used to be. You don't seek after the things of God like you used to be. And all these things the devil used because of disappointment didn't turn out the way I thought. And yet God was there all the time and God is working things out. And the Bible is real clear. All these characters in the Bible had disappointments. Remember Jonah? You know, remember Jonah didn't want to obey God. Remember he was uh, swallowed by the big fish there and and all. Because why? He didn't want to go to Nineveh and tell them to repent. Why? It's because he didn't like the Nineveh people, the Ninevites. He didn't like them. He goes, they're too evil. He thought he was goody two-shoes, you see. All right? And he didn't like them. And so I'm not going over there and preach to them. What if they repent? They don't deserve salvation. See, we see people today, and they're not like us, and maybe they're in the the pits of, of the sin that they're working with, and so forth, and we don't understand how much God loves them. And how much God wants to deliver them. And we see that sometimes. And we see how God prospers other people. And we don't get prosperity like, like they do. And we get disappointed and say, God, why don't you bless me like you're blessing them? And we begin comparing ourselves with other people. And we find out we're really disappointed. We get disappointment, don't we? That's what happens. But God said, that's not me. That's not me at all. I want to bless you. And you know what? God's blessed my socks off, right? How about you? <laughs> I don't care what I've been through. I don't care anything. And I know that. But you see, he could take everything I have away like that. And would I be disappointed and allow disappointment to have me to stray away from my faith? 
That's the question today. When the heat gets turned up in your life, my life, what happens? Do you run to God or do you run away? Do you get this morning because life's not turned out like you thought it would? And yet God was there all the time. You see, God is a God of redemption. That means taking back that which was stolen in that. When he redeemed you and me, he took us out of slavery of sin. It's actually the term redeem is actually when, when, when slaves were bought uh, from their, out of their shackles and so forth. You and I were in shackles. And he redeemed me and you. See, he redeems those things in your life and my life even after we're saved. And takes and redeems them. What does it mean? It means that he uses them for his good. That he didn't turn away from you. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. But he says, sometimes, you know, things don't go the way you did, but I was there all the time. And I'm working circumstances out in your life and my life in ways that you never understand. But if you'll trust me, when we get there, you'll look back and say, it was worth it all. That's what it's about. We don't see, the obviously, the end from the beginning. We just sort of see halfway. That's what God's talking about. So when we go through disappointment, we're particularly vulnerable to making that bad decision. Got to be careful because obviously we know that they will cause us to move away. You remember Judas, obviously here in three or four weeks, we have celebrate the resurrection. And Judas, remember all the disciples thought that Jesus was going to come and redeem them and take them out of the hands of their Romans, the, the government, and establish his own government. And, and what did the disciples want? The disciples wanted to be in their administ his administration. <laughs> they wanted a seat of power, okay? It's kind of typical for mankind, isn't it? They all wanted a seat with Jesus. Jesus is going to set up his kingdom here on this earth. And when he does that, and remember, Jesus went to Calvary and they went, oh my goodness. Here's the one that we were following. He's dead, okay? He's done. How are we duped here? How did we get so duped? How, how did we misread who this man was, remember? All of the disciples were disappointed. But Judas especially, he was disappointed, remember? But not only did Judas was disappointed, but he also actively rejected Jesus. The disciples came back after they learned. He's not talking about a kingdom here on this earth right now. He's talking about a spiritual kingdom. They were disappointed. Judas, obviously, never, obviously, we don't know and don't think so. He ever returned and he never turned back here. Remember, Israel was disappointed in their journey. They responded there by murmuring and complaining. It's very tempting to do that when you're disappointed. How many of us, when we get disappointed, that we gripe and complain and, and bellyache and so forth? I know I don't raise your hands, okay? But. <laughs> Isn't that what we do a lot of times when we're disappointed? We bellyache. Everybody knows what bellyache is. We bellyache. So these examples in Scripture, Joseph was a prime example, remember? Joseph was uh, got a dream. He knew he'd heard from God. And his brothers threw him in the well there. And he went and got in prison there with Pharaoh. Obviously, Pharaoh's wife uh, came and tried to seduce him and so forth. And then he was thrown in jail. Remember, he was thrown in jail. Boom, 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 right on. There was one disappointment after another. And yet he continued to trust the Lord. Not that he didn't try to get out. 
He asked and prayed about it, certainly, I'm sure. But God was forming something in Joseph, remember? And remember how it wound up? He actually was in second in command in the Egyptian nation at that time. And it, the Bible says there, the last chapter in Genesis talked about, well, you know, they meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And the saving of many lives. You see, people watching you and I more than what you realize. And I'm going to share his hand out with you in just a moment. And when we respond in a way that's honoring to the Lord, I want to tell you, it is a blessing to people and people watching. People looking at me and you, whether or not we realize or not. I've shared with you over, over the years some of that. So how do we get past the disappointment? Go to God. You know what I do? I go and get before the Lord and just say, Lord, I'm disappointed. He knows I'm disappointed, right? And go before him and say, Lord, would you give me comfort? Did I, mis did I misunderstand you or did I hear you wrong or whatever? But I'm disappointed. All of us here have had lost, we've lost loved ones, okay? And so you can go to him and say, Lord, disappointment. See, when you get it out in the open, it's almost like, boom, it, you get free. And go to the Lord with that disappointment. In Exodus 5 here, verse 15, the Israelite leaders cried out to Pharaoh. The, the leaders cried out to Pharaoh. To Pharaoh, the wrong one to cry out to. But what did Moses do? He prayed to the Lord. He prayed to God Almighty. Just pray. Go before the Lord. Get before the Lord. And then we get honest with God how we feel. I'm disappointed. God knows you're disappointed. I'm disappointed how this turned out. I need your help, Lord. Do you know God will help us? I mean, he is so good about helping his people. You get honest with him. That's all he wants anyway, you see. Remember Abraham? Abraham demonstrated the same honesty in his conversation with God in Genesis 15. And, and remember, God had said, you and Sarah are going to have a son. And remember, it wasn't happening. And remember, uh, Sarah was... Uh, 90, Abraham was 100, I believe, the age. And Sarah said, well, my womb's dried up. But with all, God, all things are possible. And remember, they, found, they had a son. Why? Because God said it. Do you know God has said to you and to me that he'll be an ever-present help in our time of trouble? Do you know that's the word of God to you and me? God says that he is our refuge and strength, that ever-present help in our time of trouble. That's his word to you and me. Do we believe that? Do we always see immediate results when we pray? No, we don't. But God heard you the first time you prayed. In fact, he knew what you were going to pray before you prayed it. And so God knows in that. So we know we can trust him. We can go to him with these things. Abraham, he had all these types of disappointments. Hopes and expectations, the ability to envision a better tomorrow, the ability to dream a dream, the capacity to set a goal and look forward to his fulfillment is a gift from God. And he doesn't want to take that away. Because if you and I you lose our dream, lose our motivation for living, we become just sort of dormant. and We become like recluse. We'll pull back and be hermits. But if you have something burning in your heart today and you're saying, I want that to, that to light up and to just... That the fire of God will follow me because I want to be all that God wants me to be. Do you know God hears that prayer? And God will answer that prayer. Working through disappointments in a healthy way protects our capacity to dream for tomorrow. We've got to trust God's goodness and his wisdom for our lives.
All my life, you have been faithful, that song says. All my life, you've been so, so good to me. Amen. All my life, you've got to realize the goodness of God. And you've got to realize God says, what I finished, what I started, I'll finish. Habakkuk, remember? Habakkuk was going, and they were dominated by evil people all around them. We've got people all around us. I mean, a darkness is going on around us in our culture today. And remember, he's saying, Lord, come and wipe all of them out. <laughs> Get rid of them, God. God said, no, I got another plan. And he, he gave him a plan that Habakkuk never thought he would give him. He said, actually, these people that are more, uh, that are more evil than you are are going to take you into captivity. Because my plan is not like you. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Because my plans are much higher than your plans and my thoughts are much higher than your thoughts. That's what God is saying. And I'm telling you today to hang in there. So maybe this message today is just to continue, right? If you're tired and weary, anybody relate? Continue anyway. If you don't feel like Nothing is working for you. Then continue anyway. If the devil tells you it does no good, continue anyway. If you're disappointed in the results, continue anyway. If you're being assaulted on the right and on the left, continue anyway. If nobody appreciates the sacrifices you're making, continue anyway. If there are disappointments along the way, continue anyway. Because the Bible says in Matthew 24, he who endures to the end shall be saved. You feel like it today, continue anyway. All of us have had losses in here. And I look at you and I know the losses that you've had. And God is saying, boy, I didn't know this was going to happen. And this is a disappointment. And God is saying, continue anyway. When we get there, then we'll look back and say God was there all the time. And that God loves me. And he's working something out in my life, in your life. And it may be obviously different than what he's doing in my life versus what he's doing in your life. But it doesn't make any difference. He loves each and every person in this place today. He loves the world. And the thing is, what we've done is we've come and said, Lord, I'm no longer my own. I've been bought with a price. The precious blood of the Lamb. And I believe you. And so if you feel like giving up today, don't lose hope. Don't lose the faith. Keep on anyway. Keep believing. Remain steadfast. Some time ago I was being challenged. And I was like, you know, I'm going, Lord, I wouldn't throw the towel in, but you know, we all face emotional challenges and we're all emotionally different in that sense. But God created us and so forth. And and I was struggling. And I felt like the Lord says, come and make a declaration. You're going to remain steadfast. And so I came back to the Lord. And I said, I'm just going to declare right now before you, God Almighty, in my time with the Lord, that I'm going to remain steadfast. That means, obviously, I'm going forward. And I'm going to continue to trust the Lord and begin to confess that. Continue, begin to speak that today because those words obviously are very powerful. 
I'm going to keep on going no matter what happens. I don't care what happens. I don't care what the government does. I don't care what people do. I don't care whether or not somehow they don't appreciate me. I'm going to keep on anyway, you see. That's the only way you and I are going to make it through this thing, right? This is the only way. Because disappointments are going to happen. I mean, it's just a part of life. But it's how we respond. I'm going to keep on anyway. See, we've got someone up there who's orchestrating. Y'all know what that word means. He's working it out. And the providence of God, that's a theological term, but it's practical. He's kind of moving things in place. He's moving us around. And he's getting to this place that he wants us to be because he knows. (laughs) But we're like sheep. And sheep are dumb. I don't mean to insult anybody here, but you and I are sheep. And you're dumb. And I'm dumb. <laughs> right? The Lord is my shepherd. Right? Jesus is our shepherd. <laughs> and he knows the sheep get into all types of trouble. But he'll go after us and he'll comfort us. And he'll lead us beside the still waters. And he will take that crooked staff and pull us back. Because he knows the wolves are coming after us. He knows we're in a, a spiritual warfare where the enemy will take us out unless he protects us. And yet he says, I'm committed to you because I'm the shepherd. The shepherd lays down his life for the, his sheep. <laughs> That's what Jesus did. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, gosh. Anybody here feel like it? Just keep going. Continue anyway. Don't make any difference. What God has done or what's going on in your life. See, Moses saw, God, you got me in this mess. (laughs) You got me in this mess. You see, we have we're hunkered down here on this earth so much because we feel like, hey, this is this is it, man. This is heaven on earth. No, it's not. We're being prepared for a better place. Jesus said, I go to make that prepare that place for you. And if I come back and receive you unto myself. That's why we're here. We're here in preparation. Don't allow the enemy or your emotions or the flesh or the world to take you out of what God has for you and for me. The only way he can do it is if you and I allow him. He can't do it otherwise. But if we take and say, okay, well, I give up. And he says, good, I got you now. And God will deliver, and he will. But sometimes we have to go through a whole heap of trouble before he delivers us. That fullness comes, right? And God gets us back because he loves us. He knows the sheep wander. He knows they get out there. You know, a sheep that rolls over on its back like this on its hind legs, it can't upright itself. It rolls over because they're on a hill. It rolls over and its feet and they're kicking and they can't get up. Up And what happens is the toxins in the sheep will actually kill the sheep if somebody doesn't come and upright the sheep, right? I mean, you're talking about really a, a dependent animal. Does that make sense to you? You're talking about a dependent person and persons in my relationship with Jesus Christ. The only way is continuing on don't give up amen thank you Lord father thank you for your word your truth thank you for your here you're doing things we bless you we bless the work of your spirit in this place increase the work of your spirit in the lives of these who are here knowing you've got something powerful for everyone 
thank you, Father, for what you're doing. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week. Amen.